Welcome to the I'm in my 20s podcast, the podcast that empowers you to make the best of your 20s through candid, insightful, and inspiring conversations. My name is Meg, and let's get started. How healthy is this? How much fat is there in this burger? Also, what's the environmental impact? Jumpstarting that conversation and just taking an extra two or three seconds to think about that, and then eventually normalizing that across you know, a bunch of different um, places and in, in restaurants and and in different communities and groups, I think is going to have a huge impact in the future. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about food, but not just how much we love food, favorite cuisines, restaurants, all that stuff. Nah, my mouth is watering as I say this, yes, but we're going to be focusing more on the actual impacts of what foods we eat, where we choose to eat, where we choose to buy from, all those things. Because guys, mm-mm. We vote with our dollars, am I right? But we don't only vote with our dollars, we also vote with our mouth. (laughs) Okay, that came out sounding a lot stupider than I thought um, it would sound. I thought it would be a good joke. But anyways, today I'm joined by my friends Sandy and Theo, who are the co-founders of Lighter Footprint. And we're going to learn more about their company and what they do. But today's focus, we're going to talk about how to be a conscious consumer in the food space, why it matters why you should care you're going to learn some very practical knowledge that you can bring into your everyday decisions as well as specific actionable things that you can do like right now or just to integrate into your everyday life that'll no doubt make a great impact so this is a very valuable conversation i was also learning alongside having this conversation so y'all can learn alongside me by tuning into this whole episode so let's get started also guys just had to mention we actually had a lot of technical issues even being able to start recording this episode. So we had a few technical blips in the middle. I did cut them out, but if there's anything that sounds choppy, awkward, that is the reason why. But I want y'all to focus mainly on the content and the messaging. And really, apologies for my poor audio quality. Anyways, let's get started with the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, I am super honored to be speaking with the co-founders of Lighter Foodprint, Sandy and Theo. Yay! So welcome to the podcast, Sandy and Theo. Um, Would you guys each like to give an introduction of who you are, maybe a bit about Lighter Foodprint, but also who you are personally as an individual, and then we can kick off the conversation. So Sandy, would you like to start? Yeah, for sure. I'm awesome and very excited to be here. Thanks for the invite, Meg. I'm a UBC alum myself, um, graduated in 2017 uh, in global supply chain and logistics management. Feels like a mile's way. Um, since then, I've worked in a couple different industries. Um, but as of 2020, um, a passion project that I started on the side uh, was called Lighter Foodprints. Um, I'll start into the, a bit of a story of how we first form, and then Theo can fill out. Um, And so at that time, I was going through a career transition. Um, I was actually working abroad outside of Canada. And I just moved back in the middle of, well, at the very, very beginning of the pandemic. Um, And I was trying to think of where to channel my energy and what can I do with my time at that point. And so I joined a program um, that was hosted by a Vancouver local nonprofit called City Hive. Um, and through that, that's where I met Theo and that's the very early bud of this. Um, but, uh, my role on Lighter Footprint entails everything, um, from helping our partnerships team to 
starting university chapters um, to the communications marketing um, and speaking to other people about food and climate change like today. Pass it on to Theo. All right. Awesome. Uh, very happy to be here. This is actually my second time on this podcast. It just had <laughs> such a great time the first time that I had to come back. But um, yeah, in, in all seriousness, <laughs> I'm very excited to be here again. Um, brief introduction. Uh, my name is Theo. I, I'm also a UBC alum. I graduated in 2019. And since then, I've been working at P- PwC and just actually I uh, passed the CPA exam, so big milestone Woo! in my Woo! life. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and uh, like Sandy mentioned, uh, we both co-founded Lighter Food Print together. And so um, my side of the story was I had just graduated university and then was starting work. And then one of the biggest things for me was trying to find a community of like-minded people who also cared about sustainability outside their working hours. And so I heard about City Hive, heard about this um, amazing program called EnviroLab. And then it was kind of just this big program where we dove into a bunch of different topics surrounding sustainability. Some of them I was very familiar with, some of them I was not. And then I believe there was a conversation between me and Sandy around food sustainability and looking at carbon emissions from the entire like supply chain of food from production to uh, transportation to delivering it to the end consumer. And it was just a world that I'd never really touched before. So I was very new to it, but very curious. And so from there, we both co-founded Lighter Foodprint. And then like three years later, it's still going strong. So very happy for that. And now I work primarily with the partnerships team. And so my goal essentially is to educate the the greater community about food sustainability and the need for climate labeling, which we'll probably get into a little bit later um, because it's really the people and how much they demand sustainable food products. That's really going to push climate labeling to the forefront. So that's Mm -hmm. a a little bit about what I do. And I'm very excited to get um, more into it as a, as we go along in this podcast. So thanks Mm -hmm. again for having me. Awesome. Well, super honored to be speaking with you guys in three years already. That's really incredible. And I can tell how much passion you guys have put into this project. And the most inspiring part is that it comes from your own like internal drive to want to make a change in the world in the field of sustainability. So I want to hear from each of you, like, when did you guys realize that this was something that you wanted to pursue in terms of wanting to, you know, focus on mindful eating, sustainability? What was that catalyst for you? Mm-hmm. I, I can start um, on this one. So it was during the program um, with City Hive, we were mainly looking at what are the different problem areas in our community. Um, the problem that I personally was very interested in was food. Um, I feel like food is something that's very close to everyone. Um, it's close to heart and it's part of our everyday lives. So when I was looking at food, there's a lot of aspects of food that get talked about um, that kind of make it to headlines. For example, like single-use uh, single plastics, packaging, mm-hmm. um, food waste. Those ones are the biggest ones that are passed around in, in Vancouver locally. Um, and so I was trying to think about, like, what is it about food and what can I do about it? Um, so I started taking a look at where does the environmental impact of food come from. And so definitely food waste, food packaging is a huge part of it as well. Um, But I was actually, when I researched into this, I realized that food production itself 
is responsible for up to just over a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions. So I thought that is an incredibly large number and very significant. Um, what can I do about it? And I started thinking, hey, like we should start making better decisions around this. Um, this is something that we can do something about on a very individual and personal level every single day. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I researched about it, I started looking up like what are what kind of data is there and also what solutions are there out in the community. And to my surprise, back in 2020, um, when before we started the Light Reprint, I couldn't actually find any Canadian organizations that were um, working climate labeling specifically. And I was actually really surprised. I was like, why isn't anyone doing this? Um, this feels like it's something that's very logical that should have already been done. So we, I started bringing this conversation up in, uh, in, in City Hive um, out, of a, out of surprise, really, of have you guys, do you guys know of any other organizations that are doing this? Like, have you come across any solutions? And, and ultimately, we just came to the conclusion, like, no one else is doing this. So let's solve this problem ourselves. Right. How about you, Theo? So I don't know if you noticed when my internet cut out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I actually you missed part of it. popped out like two times. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So I'm back for real. I'm on like my data now. So um, because the ah. internet in my house is not very uh, reliable, but sorry, what was the question? And then what was the first half of Sandy's oh, answer? So the question was, um, what really inspired you to want to pursue starting something in, in addressing this specific cause of like sustainability of like eating mindfully, you know, what, what was the driver for that or what was the catalyst? So some of the mainstream topics that people always talk about are getting rid of plastic water bottles, getting rid of plastic straws. But then you also have a lot of people who are super conscious about what they eat from a health standpoint the people who are vegan or try to um, eat um, organically. But those two paths never really diverge. And that was kind of interesting for me that it just wasn't talked about more how we should be conscious of the carbon emissions that we produce from the food choices that we have. Mm -hmm. And so it was a combination of all those things. And then also the fact that I had never thought about this before. And I was just genuinely curious about how I could learn more and make that more of a mainstream mainstream topic for people. And so from there, I was more of a learner and um, tried to do the best I could to, to learn all about all this stuff and then and then kind of use lighter food print as a way to do that. Mm, I see. Um, but yeah, when we were in City Hive, I started off with the overall problem of uh, food is producing a lot of emissions in the world. Uh, just over a quarter of the global greenhouse gas emissions come from food production. So I thought, mm-hmm. where can we go about at this? And I thought, where does it all come from? Like, why is food contributing such a large amount of greenhouse gases? Um, and so taking one step back, that comes from the demand for food. Then I thought, why aren't people making healthy food decisions, like healthy for the planet. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at, it's because they don't have the information or the data to make these decisions at the point when they are purchasing food. So whether that be in the restaurant, grocery store or other places. Then I thought, okay, so if I give them the data, will that help them make better decisions? 
um, and thought food is actually, then I took one step back even further. Food is actually not a simple decision. Like there's a lot of things that go into what goes onto your plate. Um, Mm. It's an intersection of like culture, religion, lifestyle, financial well-being, all of that can really extend um, and intersect with a lot of social topics uh, that can come into here. So then I thought, okay, so if I, um, if food is so difficult to work with, what can I give to people to help them make better decisions? And that's when the data and the information gap came to mind where I see that this is actually like a decisional behavior problem. I don't even know the correct psychological term for this, but it's like, how can people make better decisions and how can I push them in that way? And I think first step is providing them with the data. For sure. It it does really start on the individual level and, and it's, it's a daunting thing, right? Like looking at these huge stats about, you know, climate change and how it's going to impact the world and thinking, you know, me individually, I'm just one singular human being in a world of like 8 billion people or however much, what is my action going to do? Right. But if you think about it, if you empower more people, you know, everyone's incremental small actions are going to be able to make that wave. So I think it's really inspiring that you're, you're really taking that approach, starting with the individual level and having that impact, you know, continue making a difference. Because honestly, like consumption power, and I'm sure maybe we can talk about this later too, is so huge in driving like the decisions that big corporations make um, on the day to day as well. So that's huge. Another thing that you guys mentioned that really resonated with me was like, you know, when we we're growing up, we learn a lot of these kind of more conventional ideas about sustainability, like, oh, re- reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, basically, it was it was all about just like recycling stuff, right? But you never really dig deeper to think about what about the other choices that I make? Like, you know, um, what foods do I eat? Like, who am I purchasing from? These things don't come up until, you know, I got a lot more involved in that space. But I had to be proactive in seeking that information. And I think unless people are very proactive in seeking that, it's really hard for the average consumer to even consider a lot of these aspects. Mm-hmm. So I really applaud you guys for the work that you're doing. I think it's really making a, gonna be making a huge difference. So now I wanna kind of talk about more of the more of the information that the average consumer isn't even aware of, like food systems, how they work. I'd love to hear some of the foundational knowledge that you think people should be aware of to more drive their decision-making. So would either, the, either of you guys like to share some of that? Yeah, for sure, I can, I can go first. Um, so I guess when you th- when you talk about foundational knowledge when it comes to, to food systems, that's kind of a hard question to answer because I don't think anything is really foundational. I think it's all very like uncon- like we mentioned before, very unconventional knowledge, things that the typical person wouldn't really think about. But to break it down, if you think about, for example, a burger that you order at a restaurant, what you typically think of from um, from when you order it to when you eat it is just the burger itself. But maybe what most people don't really think about is this entire life cycle, this entire uh, supply chain that this piece of meat basically has taken to get to your actual plate. And so if we work backwards, that, um, that, that burger came from the kitchen um, and that and they probably ordered it from um, like a warehouse or a, a burger manufacturer of some sorts, which got it from the butcher, which uh, came originally from like a cow on a farm <laughs> to break it down very simply. <laughs> um, and the thing is, an, at every point in that supply chain, there are some kinds of, of uh, carbon emissions. And it's, some of them are very clear and easy to, to think about. For example, transportation. 
So the more steps there are in the supply chain, the more fuel we'll use to transport it. Um, and then some other things maybe might not be as obvious. So for example, um, if you look at a cow and how much square footage it takes to actually raise that cow to get like a pound of beef, for example, um, you're taking up multiple, like several hectares of land, for example, um, which obviously like reduces um, the grass and um, plantation in that area and um, water, for example, that it takes to, to, to raise the cow as well. So all these little factors um, add up and can, can have a real impact on the climate. And so I think I don't have any hard statistics or data for you right now, but I think what's really important is to kind of understand that entire supply chain and think about the big picture from start to end and that's when you can kind of understand in relation, like how how much impact this one burger has versus um, a salad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I explained that super clearly, but maybe Sandy, you can <laughs> you can jump in and provide some clarity as well. For sure, yeah. We're well. So, like, it's the food, entire food supply chain is a very complex web of how food actually gets to your plate. Um, Theo went from working backwards from how it appears on your plate. I can go into a little bit more of working forward of where this all comes from. So you can first take a look at production. So if you're taking a look at like a burger patty, for example, in the production of it, as in you're raising a cow, um, you need to use a, a agricultural land to raise the cow. Um, you got to get the feed um, to feed the cow. Uh, you also ha- need to have water to water the land as well as for the cow. Um, and in addition to that is like how sustainable did they raise a cow? How far away is the farm from the butcher? And so forth and so on. So it starts off with production as the first broad category. Then it goes to transportation of how it gets to places. Um, and whether that be from the farm to the butcher, butcher to the distributor, distributor who then like processes it or freezes it um that's another big umbrella there as in how much energy is used in the process of it and also is it then stored in for example if if uh, items get stored in the freezer to keep things cold it takes more energy so um that's distribution and then comes the end leg of uh how does it actually end up on your plate there are so many, so many steps that it takes for a patty to end up in the kitchen of a restaurant, not to mention all the other ingredients that come from probably a million different places around the world of maybe they're sourcing um, tomatoes from Mexico, or maybe they're using bun from um, like down the road, patty from Alberta, um, lettuce from maybe California. Um, they all come from so many different places to end up uh, as a full burger on your plate that is very complex. Um, and so that is the basis that we're trying to work with. And what we're trying to do in Light of Footprint is trying to make that more transparent for people um, so that people have a better idea of how much energy it really took to, to, to finally have that meal on your plate. Um, energy is one way of... Uh, quoting it, but there's a lot of other factors in how food ends up on your plate as well. Like, for example, there's a topics that we won't touch upon today, um, but there's uh, 
food justice, food security, like, is it better to produce it um, close by versus in another country, which um, I think we see with the current uh, situation in the world, especially in Ukraine, um, food security is a very big topic, um, as well as who are the people that are producing our food. In Canada, we have a lot of immigrant workers that um, are part of the food supply chain, and they're in a very essential part. Overall, to sum it up, the pandemic, the last two years has really uh, shown the vulnerabilities and the delicacy of the entire food supply chain and where it can break down, how it can break down, and, and what we really depend on, even within Canada. So that, that's sort of the basis that we're trying to work with here. It's very complex and difficult. Mm hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing. That's certainly I never knew there were so many factors that actually went into it. So that really puts a lot of things into context. So I'm wondering when you're, I guess, how do I, how do I word this? So the aim of Lighter Footprint is to help our consumers understand like more of this context so that they, it can inform their decision making, right? So mm -hmm. how do you go about personally like breaking down these very complex statistics in a way that the average consumer, when they look at it, they can digest it and think, okay, because this came from there, this, you know, blah, 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 I'm going to choose to purchase this instead of that. You know, how do you break down the complex info? Mm -hmm. I can take a stab at this one first. I think one thing to preface um, that might be in a lot of listeners' heads right now is what about buying local? We see marketing from the provincial government all the time or even local governments um, to say, like, buy local, purchase um, from, from your uh, local farm, for example. Um, and that certainly helps with reducing the transportation part of uh, the final emissions that contributes to the food. So purchasing local has benefits in that regard, but also a lot of other regards because you're purchasing from the local economy, um, you're putting money towards that. Um, but overall, actually, when we take a look at food, transportation, on average, for all the food groups, only contributes to roughly 6%. So this is average across all types of food. Um, that being said, it's more of what is the actual ingredient that we're looking at um, and what goes into producing it. So, for example, uh, meat. Uh, has a significant larger carbon impact than, say, tomatoes mm. or apples. Um, essentially, it takes up less land, less energy, less water, um, all that to produce the ingredients. So that's... Uh, sorry, I forgot what the original question was. <laughs> you, yeah, it's all good. That, that's good info. How do you break down the complex information in a way that's like digestible for the average consumer to take it and make an actual decision out of it? Mm, right, yeah. Um, so speaking about like the purchasing local asides, one thing that we're lucky to have now in 2022 is that there are a lot of um, studies that have been done around the globe on the carbon footprint of ingredients of food that we eat and that's how we're actually able to do what we do at lighter food prints is by leveraging um the science and the 
data that is already available out there because uh, this is all the science behind um, calculating carbon emissions of food is based on something called LCA life cycle assessments. That's something that is uh, costly and time consuming um, and requires uh, scientific experts to really dig into every single little detail and energy that goes into producing food. So now that um, we have now that a lot of studies are available globally, we're able to take advantage of that data and and uh, calculate the climate labels that we do. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, I guess another question I have is, what about in terms of selecting different restaurants, not just buying foods at the grocery store, like individual foods, what about choosing places to eat? Is that something that lighter food print also addresses? Yeah, so I wouldn't say that lighter food print addresses that specifically. But the thing is, if you look at a restaurant that has all these sustainability labels that engages with OceanWise, for example, um, and other types of certifications, they might have like a LEED certified building, for example, um, versus a restaurant that doesn't have any of this and chooses not to engage in it, you can clearly see that there's a difference in terms of what one values over the other, right? So even though our labels, for example, don't specifically say this restaurant as as a whole, as an organization, as a company is sustainable and has sustainable values, it kind of speaks for itself that they w- would um, go through this entire process and make their sustainability information known to customers, right? And there's also a really big difference between I mean, I think we all know what greenwashing is at this point. It's um, it's cho- selectively choosing information that makes you look more sustainable than you actually are without actually addressing the critical issues. Yeah. And so what what our labels do, however, is, isn't necessarily to say that a restaurant is sustainable, but it's simply just to make the sustainability information transparent. And mm-hmm. that will be the foundation of what guides the customer's behaviors, whether that's positive right. or negative. And so I think choosing restaurants that have that dedication to sustainability is really, really important. I don't think it boils down to like one certification or one you know, pass or fail test. I think there are a lot of different factors that each customer is going to have to research to see what the values actually are, how committed mm-hmm. the restaurants actually are to their sustainability values. And whether some of it is greenwashing or if they're actually determined to make a real concrete impact. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. I think that's really that's really powerful where you guys come in is because like I think a lot of greenwashing comes from just claims and statements that aren't necessarily backed up by transparency on, you know, what is the actual impact of operating your business? Like what are you actually doing? But I think when you you know, when you go in and you have those labels to say, hey, this is this is the breakdown of what's going on, that allows consumers to actually make a decision based on facts and not just based on statements. So I think that's a really mm-hmm. big difference. And I think that's, that's really important. Is there anything else pertaining to just general education? I know it's a very complex topic, but just any statistics that you guys would like to share that would help our, our listeners kind of realize the massive impact of making sound food decisions for sustainability? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Lighter Food Print, we have a general rule of thumb that we like to um, 
make our own purchasing decisions by, um, and they go by plant. So in, in order of priority, one is plant-based. A stat that I would love to share here and really drive into drive this um, into mind is that the production of beef uses 20 times more land and emits 20 times more greenhouse gases than producing beans um, per gram of protein. So if there's a lot of people that are mainly choosing meat um, for the protein purposes, that's something to consider. Um, and so first of all is the is to eat plant-based. Um, second is to eat more raw, as in the less processing that goes into a product, the less energy that's used, and also likely the less transportation that, um, co- that, that goes into the end product. Um, and thirdly mm-hmm. is to eat local. Um, eating local is not only uh, good for um, the local economy, but it also means that you're eating seasonal as well. Um, and that's a big part of uh, whether you're eating, for example, um, blueberries in the summer in Vancouver versus eating blueberries in the winter where it needs to be grown in Peru, for example. That uh, carbon footprint of even if it's the same blueberry um, is much greater because of the transportation costs um, for uh for something like blueberry. Mm. Can I add to that just from a, yeah, just from a personal standpoint. Um, so I think I'll preface this by first saying that I think food is very complicated. I think part of the reason I'm so interested in this space is that when I graduated and started cooking for myself, I had to figure out what all these nutritional labels meant. And I didn't know <laughs> the difference between like a calorie and a carbohydrate. And it was all very confusing. <laughs> Yeah, and then on, yeah. top, and then on top of that, um, even while focusing on the health aspect, I was also digging into the sustainability aspect and trying to figure out which foods are more sustainable than others. And what I'm f- finding out is that even though it's not like a one-for-one correlation, is that the healthier foods tend to be more sustainable. Mm. And so, I mean. People talk all the time about eating a more organic choices and people who are vegan definitely consume or I guess in this case produce a lot less carbon emissions than someone who eats beef every single day. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's very hard to come up with like a bench line, a benchmark or um, to, to know exactly like which foods are more sustainable than others and form a hierarchy but I think in, in general, if you're trying to eat healthier, I think it's pretty clear that eating tofu one day or like substituting uh, your beef and your tacos for beans instead is a clear step in the right direction. And so to an extent, there is a correlation and it can be a little bit intuitive. I think um, the, the, the hard part is, is trying to determine the differences within those food categories, right? So within meat, which one is more sustainable than the other? within like the legumes, for example. But um, as long as you're, you're being aware of something, like one of these criteria in mind, chances are you're already thinking about sustainability indirectly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I think I like that it's it's kind of correlated, like eating organic, eating more greens, all that stuff. But it's also like health nowadays and eating healthy is also such a kind of controversial thing, right? Like people, depending on what kind of content people consume, <laughs> some people, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. This is from my personal, <laughs> this is my personal diet, but I am a very high protein, high fat diet. So I eat mm-hmm. a lot of meat and a lot 
of fats and I don't really eat organic foods. But there are also other people who are, you know, vegan or vegetarian or, you know, choose other diets and they eat a lot of like plant-based or organic. And another consideration is also price, right? Like mm -hmm. organic foods, right. typically they might cost more. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, meat might also cost more than vegetables. So there's like a billion different factors to consider. And, and, you know, speaking as the average consumer, like it's, it's also, it also kind of comes down to, to what we value. Like when I'm purchasing a food, I'm going to think, okay, does this, is this meeting my health goals, but also how is this impacting the environment? And I think a big part is also mm -hmm. just thinking like, not just for myself, but also just for the world, right? So, so it's it's a really hard thing to <laughs> juggle, I think, when making these decisions. But yeah, but yeah. Any thoughts? <laughs> Adulting never gets easier. <laughs> mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I, but I love that you brought it up that you yourself are are focused on like a high protein and high fat diet because I think like a big part of um, our culture and our vision within lighter frequent is that we're not trying to shame people that for eating meat and we're not trying to tell them don't eat it we just want to be able to give people information to encourage them and promote um more sustainable choices so there's no like cutthroat like go 100 percent vegan um no you know animal based products or anything like that it's much more of a um every single little change and every decision contributes and does make a difference. So we're just trying to overall uh, move the mass um, and move the needle on a bigger scale as in rather than telling like 10 people to go vegan, for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I look at my own diet and I still eat quite a bit of meat just because that is how I've always been. And that's not necessarily an excuse or anything, but it does take a while to make big lifestyle changes. And I think diets are one of the hardest things to change in one's lifestyle. Maybe that's just me, but I've always found it really difficult. Um, but now with more exposure, even just thinking about like, wait, what is the sustainability impact of my diet? Not even saying that I should go completely vegan. I'm a little bit, you know, just a little bit more motivated now to take one or two days where I'm like completely vegetarian. Right. And that stemmed from not necessarily anyone shaming me, but just that transparency of information, because now I'm making that connection between climate change and food. And so that's my personal oh, yeah. choice. And it's this information that enabled me to make just the tiniest of, of lifestyle changes, which can go a long way. And that's that's really what we're trying to do at Lighter Footprint is to just make all that information as easily accessible as easily digestible as possible so people can mm -hmm. make the change if they need to, if they want to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I really like that standpoint that you guys come from. I think it's really a lot of it is really about awareness and just getting it onto people's radar to consider these impacts and just, just be informed about different things when they're making decisions. And this goes the same for even just shopping for retail, right? Like it's a bit of a tangent, but you know, mm. in the past, I never knew about fast fashion and the impacts of fast fashion. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah, I'm going to go to H&M. I'm going to buy buy the cheapest clothes that I can possibly find because it's cheap, right? But, you know, the more that right. I got educated on, like, you know, the supply chain, like, all these impacts on the environment, the low pay, the, the ethical aspects of it, you know, even though, even though obviously I still want to buy cheap clothes, 
it's still nudging me in the right direction to think like, hey, before I make this purchase, like how is this impacting the world? And I think mm-hmm. in the space of food, you guys are making the same sort of impact by creating creating this awareness. And unfortunately, like I think right now, not enough people know about that. Like honestly speaking with you guys, this is some of the most exposed that I've ever been to the world of thinking about how are my food choices impacting the environment? So this is a very new space. And I really hope that, you know, this podcast episode and the work that you guys keep doing will continue empowering consumers to make, make better decisions. And hopefully, especially like the younger generation, because, you know, like buying power for the younger generation is just going to keep growing and growing and growing. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? and, and, you know, like the, the more that you learn at a younger age, the more that you're going to impact, like, you know, bring these decisions into everything you do in the future. So yes, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Now, I want to talk a bit about maybe how our listeners can take direct action after this. So yeah, what do you guys recommend we do instantly to make a change, whether it's like, you know, something, something we can instantly do right now, or just ways we can think, what do you guys recommend? Yeah, I can take a a start. Uh, I can start this um, answer here. So kind of like what we're doing today um, and where the power of the individual really comes in is spreading the word and influencing and educating others about what we learned here today. That is the, the best thing anyone can do, whether that be talking to one person or you bring it up in the group party next time. Um Telling other people and rippling this concern about food and sustainability is is going to be of great help. And and we like not only food sustainability, but everything, the entire supply chain, um, what types of food you're eating, what types of food you're choosing to cater for um, your next birthday party or your next office party, whatever it may be. Um, all those little decisions ripple through our society. And we realize this sort of lifestyle change that we're trying to get at is not easy and it's not simple. Um, so the best way to go about at it is just to introduce it to more people um, so that more people are aware and, and, and know about this problem that we have in our community right now. Um, and the, the second thing and the last thing I'll mention before I pass it off to Theo um, is to make your opinions and voices heard to local businesses um, in our aspect, it would be to local restaurants uh, that we work with, because if they are willing to work with us to say like, hey, um, here's the supply chain for our food. Can you calculate the carbon emissions for it? This is a huge sign um, to our community that this business is committed to being transparent um, with their food and to sustainability as well. So um, if uh, I, I think that's another really great way is to tell local businesses and start talking to them, leaving reviews, whatever it may be to let them know that, Hey, I'd love to see climate labeling here. Yeah. I'll concur with that. Pretty much. Um, Sandy, you mentioned all the main points um, of one, one last thing to add. And I think that this is probably step number one, and this probably goes for pretty much any kind of conscious consumerism topic. And for me, it's just normalize the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if we think about people buying clothes 20 years ago or like in the the 90s or something, no one would ever say, well, you know, did that come from child labor? Did that yeah. come from people who are being paid <laughs> fair wages? And then fast yeah. forward to the, the 2020s, that is something that I hear so often. 
mm-hmm. because of that conversation, whether or not someone actually incorporates that in, to, into their decision or not, or whatever it is, um, now companies are actually taking notice and because that is a big cultural change and is mm-hmm. affecting demand. And so I think it's it's a lot to ask for for people to go completely vegan in the next like six months or something like that. But I think even just by saying, you know, like how healthy is this? How much fat is there in this burger? Also, what's the environmental impact? Jump starting mm-hmm. that conversation and just taking an extra two or three seconds to think about that and then eventually normalizing that across, you know, a bunch of different um, places and in, in restaurants and and in different communities and groups, I think is going to have a huge impact in the future. But the more we talk about it, the more we can jumpstart that movement a lot quicker. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a small thing to add is uh, like our long-term vision is for climate labels to be as ubiquitous as nutrition labels. So everywhere where you see like calories being counted and all that, like we also want to see um, and and like environmental or sustainability label on there. And whether that be coming from us, Lighter Foodprints, or whether that be mandated by policy, whatever it is, um, hopefully we can get there one day where people can think about nutrition alongside um, the environmental impact just as equal and just as often. I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. And one last thing personally is I like to think of every single consumer dollar as a vote for what we want to see in our future. So where we're spending our money now is essentially us telling the industry and the private businesses, this is what I want you to keep doing. Um, so I think our every purchase is a, is a vote. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything to add, Theo? Yeah, just be an early adopter on that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't don't follow the trends, set the trends, you know, just because yeah. this this stuff isn't normalized right now and isn't super talked about doesn't mean you can't vote with your dollars early on. So I absolutely totally. agree. Go set those trends and everyone else will follow. Totally. Vote with your dollars and vote with your voice and vote with your yeah. platform, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. absolutely. Yes, I love that so much. I think the conversation piece is huge. I was just thinking like even even simple stuff like I was thinking about, you know, corporate catering because my team and I, we often have events. Even when my manager asks, okay, guys, like what kind of restaurant should we order from? That's a Uh place that we can bring up that sort of conversation, right? And when you bring that into conversation, into leadership, leadership brings that into higher leadership and all of a sudden (laughs) a corporation is more aware of it. So like you never know the kind of ripple effect you can make when you bring up topics like these. Like even if it's just mentioning it in like one sentence you don't know how big of an impact that is so like listeners you guys should i I hope you guys feel super empowered right now to start bringing this into your lives in one way or another so thank you guys so much for sharing is there anything else that you guys would like to bring up before i give you guys a chance to plug the places that our listeners can find you yeah just kind of adding on to that conversation a little bit a couple other crazy ideas i realized that especially when it comes to local restaurants, they're pretty responsive to like online reviews, Yelp, you know, like, you know how one bad review can um, make or break a local restaurant's reputation. Like why not enhance that reputation of the restaurants that are promoting sustainability? 
right? I, I'm sure that's got to have some kind of, a, of an effect, right? Like five out of five for letting me know which meals are the most sustainable. I'm yeah. sure that's got to count for something. So that's just another crazy mm-hmm. idea I had. Absolutely. So creative. I like that. Creative. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. We have lots of crazy ideas that float around, but trying to focus on what will actually help our community and, and what will help uh, educate as many people and, and reach as many people as we can. Yes. All right. Well, with all that being said, thank you guys so much for sharing so many great insights and knowledge for our listeners to consider and very actionable steps for us to be able to take to make an impact. Now, if we want to learn more about what your your company does, your mission, and just learn more information about sustainable eating overall, where can we find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our website is www.lighterfoodprint.com. Um, and on there, Uh, We're starting to distribute newsletters as well to keep everyone updated on our accomplishments and our wins. So definitely subscribe to a newsletter. Um, On socials, we're on Instagram with the handle at Lighter Foodprints. On Facebook, we're at L Foodprints. And then Mm -hmm. LinkedIn at Lighter Foodprints. And if you want it to ever reach out, uh, you feel inspired and you want to chat more, we're all ears for ideas, energy, um, or even feedback on how we can improve. So feel free to reach out at info at lighterfoodprint.com. Um, and yeah. I'll uh, let Theo go over the last uh, little bit here. Yeah. Also, uh, one other thing uh, we should say is um, if you're interested in meeting us in person, we're actually going to be hosting a food sustainability workshop at the Burnaby Festival of Learning. And so I don't think it's been published yet, but keep an eye out for it. So just search up the Burnaby Festival of Learning. Uh, It's this week-long festival with a bunch of different workshops and educators, and Lighter Foodprint is going to be one of them. So if you're interested in diving more into this topic, then feel free to attend if you're in the area. Sweet. And that is in what month? That is in May. Yeah. So Ah, the dates haven't been finalized yet, but it's going to be sometime between May 6th and May 10th. So just keep an eye out for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. And you guys want to meet some awesome people like Theo and Sandy? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much again for being on this podcast and um, looking forward to seeing Lighter Foodprint continue making an impact in the community and staying in touch with everything that you guys are doing. Thanks so much for having us, Meg. Thanks for having us. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is a very informative episode, and I hope that you guys got a lot of big takeaways and are able to, you know, integrate this all in your decision making the next time you think about where you want to eat, where to buy from, what kind of food to eat, all that stuff. Again, be sure to check out Lighter Foodprint and their work. They're making an incredible impact, and I feel really inspired to be connected by people who are really taking action to make an impact in the world. I don't know what better way to say it, but like, wow, very inspiring. Very inspiring. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in. Make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at I'm in my 20s to stay up to date. Check out our website at meikwong.com forward slash podcast. And if you are feeling, you know, generous, <laughs> please leave me like a review or something, a five-star review or four-star, one-star, I don't know, whatever it is you want hopefully five star on apple spotify all that stuff i'm trying to make it um 
less of a weird thing to ask for reviews. So please leave me a review. Anyways, hope you guys have a lovely day and talk to you guys again soon. Bye.